This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast podcast. Best bits from Monday, December the 11th. We spoke to the GM of Rove Expo. It's the only hotel on the COP28 site. A bang in the middle of all the action. It's actually been taken over by the organisers for the duration of COP28. Uh, Nila Penderovsky is the GM at Rove Expo. So we've got a bit of insight into who she'd been entertaining, what events had been taking place at Rove Expo, uh, how that compared to other major events down here, but also what's coming up at the end of this year and 2024. Talking all things COP28, we caught up with the CEO of Green Touches Echoes of Sustainability. Adrienne Doolan joined us live on the show. We'll talk about the new initiative and the new programme that was announced at COP28 by the UAE government uh, over the course of the weekend. A new commitment uh, to uh, climate change and, of course, the adoption of new policies here in the country. One person who's been very much involved in the negotiations at COP28 is Estonia's Vice Minister of Climate. Christy Klaas was kind enough to uh, take herself away from those negotiations for a few moments to speak to us live in our pop-up studio up at uh, Expo City to give us a little indication as to what sort of negotiations were going on and what they looked like. Plus... COP28 President Sultan al-Jaba has been very vocal over the weekend, urging delegates to come to an agreement, to not not waste time uh, and, of course, try and push forward for that all-important agreement before the end of COP28. Uh, Something that we asked Ed Bell uh, from Emirates MBD for his thoughts on as well. That's all right here on the Bite Size Business Breakfast Podcast. We are into the final week of uh, COP28. Will we get that big agreement that everyone's clamouring for? Uh, We will find out and we'll get more details from Serena in just a few moments' time. Uh, Sultan al-Jaba has been very vocal over the course of this weekend, uh, telling his climate negotiators to get a wriggle on at the moment. Why does the global economy need a climate deal? Well, that's a question we put to Ed Bell, Senior Director, Market Economics at Emirates MBD. The point of getting a global deal on emissions at COP is that carbon in the atmosphere doesn't recognize national boundaries or borders. So emissions from one country are going to negatively impact countries all around the world. COP has normally operated on a consensus basis, so getting agreement from all participants on a final statement or a plan. For this COP, there has been some vocal resistance from oil-dependent economies and companies against the idea of a phase-out of fossil fuels, and they've been seeking rather to try and focus the discussion on emissions. Now, a global climate deal would undoubtedly be more impactful than just a bilateral or a multilateral agreement among several emitters, But of course, the more nations you're trying to get on board with a deal that's particularly going to mean a substantial transformation of their economy, that's going to be even more difficult. Yeah, but all good and well. But then, you know, let's look at the UAE economy. A lot of that has been built in the past uh, on reliance on fossil fuels, not just for us personally, but also uh, for the wider world. So what does reducing emissions mean for the UAE economy? The UAE has a net zero emissions target of 2050 and upgraded its near-term target for a 40% drop in emissions from a business-as-usual level by 2030. Over the weekend, we also heard that Dubai itself is going to target a 50% drop in emissions 
from 2018 levels by 2030. These are certainly aggressive targets to be achieved over just the next seven years, and we're probably going to see a major push on expanding the renewables capacity in the UAE and in Dubai, solar power in particular. We'll probably also see a push on improving building efficiency, so energy that's being used for cooling or lighting is not being wasted or lost. But to be certain, cutting emissions to these scales is going to be a challenge for the UAE economy and for consumers. On a per capita basis, emissions in the UAE are among the highest in the world, measured at about 26 tons of CO2 equivalent per person. When we look across all high-income countries, that level is about 10 tons per person, while the U.S. is about 15, Germany closer to 8, and India is at about 2 tons. Reducing emissions is probably also going to mean some behavioral changes among consumers. So thinking about the kinds of cars that we drive, about how many flights we take, as those kind of actions are really going to help get the emissions numbers down and not just be offset. That's the Emirates MBD take on it through Ed Bell, uh, the Senior Director of Market Economics. But what about those invested into the more sustainable future? No more so than one of our previous guests this morning, uh, Idrin Doolan, who is the CEO of Green Touches Echoes of Sustainability. Uh, Idrin very uh, joined us earlier on a little this morning and I put the question to her that we've got, what, 48 hours left of COP. But from those that have been here uh, around the negotiating table, th- those that have been here uh, with, with vested interests, have we seen enough action from COP so far? We haven't even touched upon the global stocktake, um, and this is really important. And out of the 193 countries that signed that Paris Agreement in 2015, which was with, you know, with much excitement, there are only one or two countries roughly going to achieve the declaration. So, yeah, we're on COP28, um, and we know what has to be done. It seems to be the narrative, doesn't it, after the sort of... The optimism at the beginning, I'm not saying that it, it, optimism has turned to pessimism, but we're against the clock. Sultan al-Jabra said it over the weekend, um, and we are running out of times. Is it, I mean, will this COP be judged on agreement, deal or no deal? Yeah, this ju- yeah I think Great it will TV be. Great TV show, by the way. But. But we're not quite making the COP reality television series yet. Give me a chance. But there you go. Um, yeah, I think it will be do- judged on uh, what agreement is reached and what countries um, agree to sign up to. Last year, uh, Sham COP, COP27, um, was lauded for the fact that it was agreed that we would establish a loss and damage fund. Um, money needs to be put into that. But it's also about whether or not we get the, the wording that a lot of people want on the emissions um, and the agreement to, to stick to that 1.5 uh, degrees above the pre-industrial levels and not let it slide to a two or a three. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. And there is a certain irony in giving you the oil price as we look at uh, an agreement uh, that needs to come out of COP in the next couple of days, including uh, the future of fossil fuels, phase down or phase out, and how to make uh, emissions targets targets fair for everybody. The COP28 president, Dr Sultan al-Jabba, has urged negotiators to work faster as we sit in the final two days of the conference. But what does that actually look like behind closed doors? From the negotiating table, we are very pleased uh, to be joined this morning by Christy Klaas, who is Estonia's Vice Minister of Climate. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for inviting 
Remind us, Christy, what is the agreement that COP negotiators are trying to reach this COP? It's multi-pronged, but what to you are the most important points? Yes, so when we think that 2023 has been the hottest year the humankind has ever, ever, ever seen, so uh, we see that the the effects of climate change are everywhere. So, uh, so we are what we are aiming at is to to keep the Paris Agreement alive, so that the global temperature wouldn't increase more than two degrees, and we are aiming to 1.5 degrees. So, for that, I think this COP is very good because there are very important decisions to make. So, first of all, uh, we need to see where we are. So, we need to focus on implementation. No, it's not only about goals, but we need to see what we can really do to reduce the emissions. And I think the first uh, first good things or good decisions have happened already on the first day of COP. There was a, a big decision on uh, on loss uh, loss and damage funds, uh, which is uh, very important because we see that uh, there are countries who are suffering, who are having huge costs because of uh, the damage caused by by climate change. So that this decision was taken on the first day of COP is is it's very something. Um, and then. Um, we are expecting that uh, also there will be a language about reducing um, the um, GHG emissions from uh, electricity and pow- power production. So increasing three three times the the share of renewable uh, renewables by 2030 and uh, and twice uh, the uh, en- electricity or the energy efficiency is is very important. And, um, co- and of course, then one aspect which um, which is in the heart of negotiations is the uh, fossil fuels, and uh, and uh, we we do see that um, the um, phasing out of fossil fuels is the future we need to uh, need to target. And uh, but we will see what the final language and and compromise will be in the text. What's it like in the negotiation? Room. Sultan Algebra has, has said there's more divisions than unity over a lot of issues at the moment. Paint a picture for us what it's actually like to be in there. Um, what I really feel is that every country who is around the table and who is negotiating, nobody has, is having a doubt that we need to act. So they all feel really that it's our common goal, it's our common obligation that we need to act. So this is good because it, it, it I, I really tr- truly see, you know, see that there is uh, uh, there is a, a willingness to to uh, find a compromise. Now, when you th- when we think that every region, every country is very different, then of course the way or the path how we could how we should reach the goals is different. So the negoc- negotiations mainly uh, they they. Um, like they are plenaries where all the countries are sitting together and there, let's say, there will be the, let's say, interim uh, summaries uh, between the negotiations. But actually the true negotiation, uh, through negotiations, they take place in, in uh, different negotiation rooms. There are different regions which are negotiating uh, no, between, between uh, them and also uh, bilateral meetings between certain countries. So, uh, and really, people are working throughout the night. 
you know, trying to find a compromise. And when you think that the negotiations are taking place for two weeks, so for the first week, usually there is uh, at expert level uh, negotiation, ne negotiations at that expert level, and then the second week uh, we have the ministers. And uh, you know, politicians usually when they enter the game, then the most difficult decisions uh, will be made, which cannot cannot be done at technical level. So, um, so now we are in the final days of, of uh, the negotiations and we do see it getting, it's getting more tense and tense, and, but there is a huge willingness uh, to be successful, to really agree uh, on common text. Is it all done at the table? I mean, what's the environment like? Are people having conversations in in hallways have we got for those particularly as you say with the negotiating teams sort of you know people working through the night ordering takeout sleeping under desks how does it actually function um actually it's behind the closed doors uh, so um, it's not accessible to the wider public so there are only negotiators and uh, it's very dependent on the region whether all the countries uh, can speak their on their own or whether do they have the common positions. For example, European Union speaks with one voice, although we have 27 member states, uh, then we have a common position uh, in the negotiations. Um, but yesterday there was um, a, a special way of negotiations. It's, it's typical, uh, typical for this region, Majlis, uh, and there really um, the, it, it was urged by the president of COP that we shouldn't just put the positions on the table, but speak from heart to heart, really leave the positions behind and try to speak uh, from the heart. And it was, um, it was a very good experience because we really saw that uh, different countries came there, uh, really tried to explain how it really is in their countries, what challenges do they face so um, I, I hope that it was one step closer to the to the to the agreement we've only got 30 seconds left with you do you think we'll get an agreement on time I think there will be a great focus to be on time um, or you know, let's say on Tuesday um, the COP president yesterday said that we will have an agreement, we will have a text, and we will be successful. So let's cross fingers that we, we can do it. Uh, 20 seconds. You said phase out earlier. Is that Estonia's viewpoint? You need to see phase out rather than phase down. Yes, we do see that there uh, should be phase out of fossil fuels and also fossil fuel subsidies. Estonia has been dependent on fossil fuels for 30 years, but we see that it can be, it can be done. Well, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I mean, I know this is busy for you. Christy Klass is Estonia's Vice Minister of Climate, giving us a bit of insight into what negotiations are like. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Right, let's look at some of the big climate stories that have been emanating from COP28 over the course of this weekend. And yesterday, the UAE setting out a new green-powered action plan. Uh, what's it for? It's aimed at driving efforts to achieve new environmental goals here in the UAE. Uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, the Prime Minister and Ruler of Dubai, set out the sustainability strategy at a meeting of the Cabinet, which was held, in fact, here at Expo City Dubai, hosting, uh, of course, the key 
COP28 climate conference. He said that 10 initiatives and decisions were approved during the ministerial gathering, including the adoption of a framework for the Biodiversity Strategy 2031. So, yet more positive sentiment, yet more positive moves from the UAE. Uh, Will they be adopted? Well, let's find out from somebody who's very much invested into a more sustainable future. So much so uh, that she set up her company with that very principle at its heart. The CEO and founder of Green Touches, who's been a leading um, uh, light and certainly a a leading voice in a sustainable uh, business future that challenges the status quo. Uh, Her own business itself challenges the status quo of the cleaning and facility management industry here in the UAE and the wider wider Middle East region as well. It has been for several years now. It's a warm welcome uh, to the show via Microsoft Teams this morning to uh, Adrian Adrian, uh, Doolan, the CEO of Green Touches, Echoes of Sustainability, who joins us live on the line. Adrian, thanks so much indeed for your time. Good morning. Nice to talk to you. Obviously, you've been going through the latest announcement from Sheikh Mohammed and the new uh, plans that have been put in place. Your reaction to the announcement? Yeah, I mean, I love all these plans, um, and it, you know, it's all uh, it's all driving uh, sustainability forward in, in the right way. Um, but it, it's you know, it's just been overwhelming um, over the last ten days, and the, the announcements are shooting out from everywhere. But it's, uh, you know, it's acting upon these. That's that's the important part. We all know now our, our time limit um, for, for reaching 1.5. So brilliant. And, and, and you know, kudos in this uh, region. We are so, so ahead, I think, of uh, and, and pushing ahead with the leadership. Um, but we have to act on them. And that's uh, that's always where I'm a little sceptical, if I may say. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed for for your honesty on that, because I think that's always been one of the concerns with COPs, is it not, is that there's a lot of chat and not enough action. That was one of the call to arms from Sultan al-Jaber at the beginning of COP28 here in the UAE. Have we seen enough action? I appreciate we've still got 48 hours left of COP. Yeah, um, personally, no, I don't think so. I mean, I was at uh, COP in Sharm el-Sheikh last year um, in the blue zone. Uh, this year, I have been in the green zone, which is just hyperactive. <laughs> There's so much going on, so many conversations. And um, finally, the SMEs have been brought to the fore, which is fantastic. So we've had many uh, opportunities from um, Expo City Dubai Pavilion and uh, Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week to bring the SMEs to the fore, which is fantastic. Um, but we're, we've two days left, um, and we haven't even touched upon the global stock take. Mm. Um, and this is really important. And out of the 193 countries that signed that Paris Agreement in 2015, which was with you know with much excitement, um, there are only one or two countries roughly going to achieve uh, the, the the declaration. So. Yeah, a little bit, a uh, little bit, not disappointed, but we're on COP28 um, and we know what has to be done. And, you know, if I can just ask you one question, if you had an illness um, and, and pain and that you knew you could do something about immediately, mm. would you do something about it? Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd address well, for, it. For, right. Well, for me, you know, this whole climate action, climate justice is like, a, you know, it's a thorn in the side of Mother Nature. We really all know what to do. We really, really do. Um, it's just pushing forward and people being strong enough to stand up and say, right, this is what we need to do. If it means we make a little bit less profit, 
we have to do it because humanity is at risk here. It's it's not a joke. The science is there. We're pushing forward, but we're not pushing forward fast enough. And it's, it's you know, I'm going to be probably gone <laughs> and pushing up a, a, a daisy somewhere, but my, my children will be here and, and their children and, and the rest of the children of this world. And I think we're failing the youth, to be honest with you. So let's address that because, Adrian, I mean, you, as I mentioned in the intro, you set out to, 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 to make your company more sustainable. You've been recognised and uh, named in Forbes Middle East as one of the most uh, or 10 most sustainable startups here in the Middle East, the team at Green Touches. For the company owners out there at the moment saying, how do I become more sustainable? What's your sort of, what's your fit for them? Is, that, is, is, is it something that can be addressed overnight? No, it's, it's baby steps. And I think that people get often uh, get very overwhelmed mm. um, when, they, when they have a look at all the, you know, the different strategies and the different mechanisms. How, how do I do this, um, you know, to get on these, uh, this race to zero, the SME climate hubs? How, you know, how do we address all of these? So I think it, it can be overwhelming. But my message is always just start slowly because every individual action that we do, it actually does matter. So I think that's the main thing. I think people should not get disheartened, but we should all start taking action and, and small steps, you know, and, and it does, it, it, you know, cumulative community actions, they do make a big difference, definitely. And as your actions, uh, Clean Touch, is that, is, is that having knock-on effects, sorry, Green Touches, is that having knock-on effects with the cleaning and facility management industry as a whole here? Are others learning from, where you're, from your lead? No, unfortunately not, actually. It's quite disappointing because we're eight years trying to drive forward uh, for, you know, for creating a decent indoor air quality, non-toxic products, which is great for the employees, great for clients, great for, for, for buildings when you're sitting in an office all day. And we're trying to pay uh, double the, the salary rates for, uh, for our, our staff, treat them with respect, no screaming, shouting, talk to them, mm. involve them. Um, but we're we're fairly much like flamingos uh, standing down at Russell Core on the on the one leg. So, disappointingly, I would say, um, yeah, that it's it's not penetrating into the market uh, deep enough. Because again, it's this whole you know profit. And if you start to sacrifice people and planet above profit, then we we all know what's what what's happening. So it's difficult. And and there's many impactful um, organizations that I, I'm, I'm part of a huge organization called Sustain UAE. Mm. We started off as a WhatsApp group a, a few years ago with three, four people. We're now nearly 400 people. Um, and we've had many opportunities actually at, uh, at, uh, in the green zone, which has been fantastic. But we're, we're, we're struggling. You know, we're, we're, we're all struggling because we put impact before anything else. Yeah. Because, you know, that's your, what you want to do. Like, I want to be a change maker. I want to be able to see that I have made at least a, a, a small bit of difference. Edwin, we'll have to leave it there for now. But a big thank you to you for your time this Monday morning. Edwin Doolan is the CEO of Green Touches, Echoes of Sustainability. Joining us live on Microsoft Teams. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. It is the Business Breakfast, and we are live from COP28. It's been good to be here, uh, being good broadcasting throughout COP28. We've still got a couple of days left as well. Uh, but what's it like trying to, well, maintain the standards, the highest standards of hospitality uh, in an environment like this? The only hotel on site at Expo City, located in the coveted Blue Zone, uh, has been, well, 
busy is probably a bit of an understatement as well. Uh, reminded us of the peak times during Expo 2020. But let's get the thoughts now from the GM of Rove Expo, not a million miles away from here. Uh, Nila Pendrovsky joins us live here in the studio. Nila, lovely to see you as always. Apologies for dragging you away from the hotel for a few uh, for a few moments. That's fine. Good morning. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. How's it been? It, it, yeah, it has been busy. Um, the hotel has been um, taken by the organizers from the get-go, so the hotel, unfortunately, is not available to the public. But um, we've been able to serve quite a few number of guests every day coming in for uh, breakfast, lunches, and dinners. So we had an average of, uh, let's say, 2,500 we've been feeding every day and, and giving coffees and, and whatnot. So it's been very exciting. So the F&B side of things has been... Busy, busy, busy. Absolutely. And we also had some extremely nice events we've been very proud to host uh, that had to do with signing MOUs where we've been able to um, host um, heads of states and some real notable businessmen such as um, Bill Gates. It was a lot in the media, so I can mention the name. Wait, hang on. (laughs) So Bill Gates was staying at the Rove? He wasn't staying, but he came for the signing. We had a really nice setup on our rooftop pool. um, And yes, he did drink our coffee. We've been watching him, so he must have been liking it. But you've had some big names staying, yeah? Yeah, well, not staying over, but mainly for, for events, for signings of um, MOUs, such as, for example, mm. um, the French Prime Minister. Emmanuel Macron. Emmanuel Macron, yes. Um, uh, John Kerry was there as well at the same time. And a lot of others, so that was a real big day for D- us. For, for you and your team, I mean, that's it, it's great, as you say, when you get these notable heads of state coming in, these notable uh, names as well. Does it add pressure, though, as well, given the sort of demand demands of security and uh, and safety etc sure oh yeah it does Uh, but we were prepared for it which was great so we've been able to facilitate i think uh, crucial is that you're um, prepared for arrivals departures so it's easy to get in and get out uh, and we've been prepared for that we had extra hands-on staff Um, and yeah my team was they're absolute rock stars they're really really good (laughs) amazing how's cop 28 compared to expo obviously expo was over a lot longer period six months Mm. for us to sort of get things right etc here has been a little bit more condensed have they been similar absolutely yeah i mean the, the the peak times that we're seeing right now have reminded us um, of the final stretch of Expo 2020, really? yes, when we were in March and we were so busy every day with serving so many people. It's been exciting. And it still is. It's not over yet. <laughs> it's not over just yet. Yeah. Don't start the bus just yet. Let's talk 2023 if we can. Um, how, how has the year been for you up here at Expo City? Obviously, big focus over the last couple of weeks. Has it been busy? Um, it has been. I mean, we had a great start with uh, the Dubai Marathon uh, starting off course, here in yeah. January. Yeah, we forget, right? It's such a long time ago. I had to think about this coming here. <laughs> um, we had a lot of e-gamer events and other events at DEC. Um, that will continue even more so next year. Not only e-gamer events, I think any other events. There's an expansion planned for DEC. Uh, we also have seen corporates um, settling into the site, such as Siemens and NG and other corporate um companies that are coming in um, and I think in general the area has mm. gotten so much more busy Dubai's house with its expansion so I'll be seeing a lot of walk-in customers as well. Yeah it's interesting isn't it We're a lot more residents now living up here in the apartments as well so there's a lot more activity as well. What's 2024 look like for you? 
Well, as I said, I think the expansion of DEC will help a lot mm. um, in bringing more business onto the site. Um, there will be a further development for Expo City, more people moving in. Um, they're building apartments right now, which also will um, give more to the site. We will start now, right after COP with the Winterfest, we shouldn't forget, it's Christmas. <laughs> right? And that will be really nice, um, a really nice activity. Last year was very successful. Um, so um, the plan is to do um, something similar, I believe. Um, so we will be um, relatively busy right from the get-go after COP was starting with around 50% occupancy and then that will definitely climb. No, I was just wondering how much of that occupancy is long stay versus short stay because that's one of the thing with the roves around the city, isn't it? You tend to be home to people who yes. are really bedding down. Yeah. Well, for a cop, we had to um, empty out the hotel and make it um, blue zone ready. Um, so after we would be looking at at least 10 to 20 percent occupancy for long stays, which means people are staying with us. Our rovers, as we call them, are staying with us more than 30 days. What does Blue Zone really look like? What does a COP attendee need that normal guests maybe wouldn't? Well, um, you are also in the Blue Zone, so we all have our accreditation um, with us. So um, we have to um, go through a security check, very similar to Expo 2020 times, and we have to get a pass, which actually is handed to us by the United Nations. Are people working round the clock, though? Are they, you know, up and, and, and I don't know, sitting downstairs drinking coffee at two o'clock in the morning, hashing over papers? We, yes, we have been prepared for that uh, on a 24-7 basis. Room service, our barista is working 24-7. We have added staff. There are people definitely working into the V hours and starting relatively early again. So reopening to the public from the 18th, is that right? That's correct, yes. Okay, so yes. P- in terms of, 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 the, of, as you say, the seasonal period that we're coming into at the moment, some big plans up here. The Winter Village is opening up pretty soon, and yes. you could be part of that, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, we are right adjacent to it, which is always really nice. Um, um, the Winterfest, I think, will be in the Alvassal Dome, which we're right next door. Of, uh, and then, it's, I think, venturing out to the other side of mm. us. So it will be a nice... Nice event happening. Unless we come towards the end of the year, busy time, not just for the Rove Expo City, but also, of course, for the Rove brand in general as well. I mean, you look back on 2023, has it been a good year for all things Rove? Absolutely. I mean, Rove has been busy throughout. Um, downtown, well established by now, all the downtown hotels. We have La Mer as well. Um, but also Uptown has become uh, much more busy with Marina, the parks and us. It's great. In terms of, I mean, I remember, Nila, when we sort of first met and, you know, and Rove was was different, you know, it was a different approach to hospitality. As we now sit, you know, a lot of other brands have come to market, not looking to replicate, but certainly looking to do something similar as well. Do you think Rove has sort of set standards in many ways of the way that you can stay in this city? Um, I mean, we just always we focus on our brand um, and our um, and and have I think set our own standards for us what hospitality looks like in a mid scale artsy lifestyle yeah. hotel and uh, we just focus on continuing to expand the brand and continuing to work on our signatures and maybe redefining them from time to time. More rows in 2024? Yes, Russell Kema is around the corner, another <laughs> resort. Yes, we are looking forward to that one. Uh, Nilo, can't thank you enough. Uh, I'm going to let you get back. I know it's a busy time for you. All the best uh, for the remainder of COP28. All the best for the festive uh, season as well. And thank you so much indeed for joining us and bringing coffee as well. Thank yes, you. Yes, of course. Yes. Very We're just co- around
around the corner. And as I said, we're there for you 24-7 if you need a coffee fix. <laughs> You're too kind. Bless you. Thanks so much indeed to the GM of Rove Expo here uh, on the Expo site. Uh, joining us live here in studio, Nila uh, Penderovsky. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.